All right, you heard the man, Daniel chapter 6. Open up those Bibles, turn those pages. If you do not have a Bible with you, there should be a paperback Bible in the seat there in front of you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you this morning. We want to send you off with God's Word, the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Amen? All right, when you get to Daniel chapter 6, look up at me and say, he's the king of everything. All right, we're going to be reading through the entirety of chapter 6, so follow along and have your eyes on Scripture. Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other presidents and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. 
And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought, were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives, and before they even reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. You are here today, and we know who the faithful are to come out on a rainy day, right? Tell you what, it's beautiful all during the week, and it rains on Sundays, man, you know? But hey, we're glad that you're here, and we're actually finishing up our series um, through the book of Daniel today. But before we do that, I um, just want to lay a couple of things, some exciting things before you. Um, we as a leadership, and uh, Pastor Tyler have been praying about how to streamline some things um, and some areas of ministry here at Westside. And so as you know, community groups are not just a part of Westside, but they're the heart. And so we really believe that living life together with people of all different ages, backgrounds, and sharing a meal in someone's home and opening up the Bible are just where life application happens. But one of the things that we're finding out is how do we measure our discipleship? How do we know that this group of people has gone through and accomplished this and we've equipped them with this knowledge that will apply to this? And so in order to do that, we're going to be rolling out something that's called Westside Academy. And uh, you don't get any college credit for this or anything like that. But what this is, is this is an area for our men and for our women to hold those classes together. Maybe have like a seekers class, those who are doubting. And really be able to walk through some areas and know over a course of certain years that, oh, through Westside Academy, over the past three years, we have taught people how to use their Bible. We've taught people how to evangelize. Um, a group of women have walked through this book of the Bible together. A group of men have walked through this book of the Bible together. And so we're really, really excited about Westside Academy and what the future holds for that. So over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing um, about some exciting things coming from that. And then as we're ending Daniel, what's next? What's next? And so we're going to have a couple standalone sermons, but we're going to be diving into a New Testament book of the Bible. Surprise, surprise, a book of the Bible, right? And we're going to be studying the book of Philemon. Exactly, exactly, right? You're like, where is that one, right? It's uh, one chapter, that's where the pages of my Bible are still stuck together back there or something. And really, I'm really excited about this. Um, Philemon teaches us about friendships, um, about forgiveness. I don't know if you guys struggle with anything like that or anything, but um, it's going to be really excited to study um, a book of the Bible that the Apostle Paul wrote through Philemon. And so it's going to take us about four or five weeks to walk through that. So that's just a snapshot, sort of what it looks like to be rolling into summer for us here at Westside. And we're really excited about everything that's coming. But today we are in Daniel and we're closing with the epic portrayal of the, probably the most famous chapter in all of Daniel. And that's Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel in the Pit of Lions. And maybe this will be helpful as a way of introduction. Um, week before last, I sort of had a family emergency and um, had to leave town for a couple of days. 
And anytime I leave town, it sort of just throws our family routine off. And I leave my wife with three kids, six and under, and all of that. And so anytime I leave town, what I do is I try to write like a little chart and a little thing, a sort of promises that I can make and that Roman and Andy Grace can make to help out mom while I'm gone. And so it's a little, you know, chart, and they'll mark off the days, you know, when dad's gone. And then we circle the day that I'm supposed to be back and, you know, put a star next to that day. And then they get to mark that off, and they know, dad, dad's coming home today. And so did that and came home on the day that was on the calendar and walked in and surprised them, and it was a blast. And did my normal dad routines of giving them baths and getting them ready for bed. And as I was tucking Roman in after we got through with our prayers, I was just getting ready to leave the room and shut the door. And he goes, Dad, Dad, Dad. I said, yeah, bud. He said, you came back on the day that you said you would. I said, yeah, bub, I did. It worked out, man. And so I shut the door to his room. And as I was walking down the hallway, just the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you're a dad who promised something and came through. Now, that's not all the time. Please know that. Know that. But Roman was grateful because I was faithful to something that I had said. The reason why I say that is is because Daniel chapter 6 is a very tricky passage. And so as I was thinking about this this week, I actually had Roman help me out. I could teach this passage one of two ways today. And probably one of the ways is the way that you remember or the way that this was taught to you growing up. And that's what religion actually is. And so this is what religion looks like. I had Roman just, you know, real, real theologic, deep stuff here, okay? And so the idea of God in you and then your effort towards God, that's what's really zoned in on. And so one of the ways that I could teach this passage is, is I could go, oh, you see, Daniel was, was blameless, and, and Daniel prayed, oh, he prayed so three times a day, and I could just beat you up with that. How many times a day do you pray, huh? How many times a day are you on Facebook, huh? And just, I mean, just beat you down with something like that and go, see? And because of that effort, God rescued Daniel from the lion's den, and that's actually religion. That's actually the idea of Daniel being the hero of this story. But in all reality, the gospel looks something like this. The gospel is about God's effort towards you in Christ Jesus. And you see, the key actually to this passage is found in verses 26 and 27 has nothing really majorly to do with Daniel praying and this and that. But look at what King Darius says. I make this decree that everyone should know about the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. Here it is, verse 27. He delivers and rescues He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And then here it is. He who has saved Daniel from the power of lions. Question, who saved Daniel? God did. That's the gospel message. You see, it's not this idea that Daniel didn't drink, cuss, chew, or go with girls that do. And that's why he was saved from the lion's den. It's because of the faithfulness of God. 
And so here's really the big idea that I think this is something that could change someone's life today. And it's this. The faithfulness of God enables us and empowers us to live faithfully for God. Now, do you see the difference in that? It's the faithfulness of God. We are like little children. We are like Romans. And we rest on the promise that our Heavenly Father says, I'm coming back on this day. This is a promise that I make. Write it down. And so we live in the in-between. And we live on the promise of our God who has been faithful to us in the past. And because of that, that produces an obedience and produces a faith in us that will allow us to live faithfully for Him. It's profoundly different when you think about it. Because when you reverse it, it makes Daniel this hero that lives on a flannel graph. And it leaves you leaving this place today, hanging your head low, going, man, I'll I'll never amount to Daniel. But in reality, Daniel's not the hero of the passage. God is. Amen. And so here's what we're going to look at and see. We're going to see what does God's faithfulness towards us produce in us. How does it change us to live? Not for us to live a certain way and then get the faithfulness of God, but rather what does the faithfulness of God produce in us? And here's what's crazy. Here's what we see. We're in Daniel chapter 6. You can't get to Daniel chapter 6 unless you've walked through Daniel 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Daniel is 80 years old in this passage. And he has seen the faithfulness of God through 80 years of his life. Kings have come and kings have gone. So Daniel is not the hero here. We see the faithfulness of God being at the central issue. So what does the faithfulness of God enable us to do in 2018? How can we live like Daniel because we worship the same God of Daniel? Amen? So here's what we'll see. The first thing is this. God's faithfulness gives us character in life. That's what we see in the first five verses, that what we see is that this decree has now been written and there's sort of something been sabotaged, right? So Daniel's basically the the equivalent of like the prime minister there in Babylon. And isn't it interesting now that Persia rules Babylon? I mean, I could preach a whole sermon on that. Nebuchadnezzar had his own kingdom. And it would stand forever. Who would ever take this kingdom away that I started this business? Nobody in my family, brother, I got this. I am too big for my britches. And then another kingdom comes and sweeps him away. And now Persia. We see this all the time throughout history, right? Kings and kingdoms, they come and they go. And we see that there's this sabotage now. We got to get rid of Daniel, right? This guy, man, right? He's just there. He's constantly there. We've got to get rid of this guy. But they could not find any ground for complaint there in verse 4. For any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. This is a word for us in 2018. Daniel is living in a society that hates God but is living faithfully for God. And I believe that one of the greatest witnesses... Listen, do you know how I believe that Westside will continue to grow? Jack, nothing to do with our Sunday morning service. Nothing. Nothing. I believe 
It's when people encounter the God of the Bible, their life is changed, and they go back out into the city of Pauper Bluff. And they live differently. They live in a profound new way. So now at work, the guys are like, man, what's different? You don't ever get in on the jive and this and that whenever all this is going. And how come when all the girls are complaining about their husbands and whining and crying, you're never in on that? And you see, you see, I believe that one of the greatest witnesses is actually when you leave this place, not when you come here. How easy is it for you in here? To raise your hands and to sing of the greatness and the faithfulness of God. I want you to do that on Monday, bro. You know what I'm saying? And it's because of the faithfulness of God towards us. We don't do this so God will love us. We live differently because he does. And you know what's interesting? This will completely change your view of God. You see, many of us work off of a religion mindset. And so it's a contractual thing. I need to read my Bible and I need to pray and I need to do this and I don't need to be afraid of anything because I've done this in my life. And then when suffering or cancer or trials enter into your world, you shake your fist at God and you say, God, I've done my Bible reading plan. I've prayed. I serve one Sunday a month at Kids' Side. I mean, I am faithful. And the reality is, is you're using that in order to gain the favor of God. You see, here's here's what's different. When you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. That's why Daniel has nothing to fear. Because he has nothing to hide. He's not afraid of anything. Um, Yesterday, I had the privilege of preaching at, at my home church, actually, that I grew up in a large part of my life. There in Kennett. And so I drove in and drove by Kennett High School. I drove by 1716 Bradley Street. Drove by this convenience store. And I thought, there's a different guy, man. There's a different guy who lived there. There's a different guy who went to school there. But when I drove by, I was so assured that for anyone who is in Christ, is a new creation, for the old is gone and the new has come. And I stood in those places in a different way because I had nothing to hide anymore. Because you see, the gospel is when you stand before the God of the universe and you confess those sins, you can now live fearlessly because he already knows. So when you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. God's faithfulness produces a character in us that when we leave, we leave differently than the rest of the world. And then the second thing that we see is this, that God's faithfulness gives us convictions for temptations. Not only a character in life, but convictions, a foundation for us. And so I love what they say. Look in verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless... Here it is. Here's the crux. Here's where they knew that they could get Daniel. Unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. That's good. We can't find any complaint on this guy. This guy lives above reproach. He has nothing to hide, therefore he has nothing to fear. But here's where we can get him. In connection with the law of his God. Do you know what that means? We can't get him 
but we can get the way he lives and we can get the foundation on which he builds his life, the law of God. This is a picture of my eldest brother, John, who, who lives in Colombia. And John is actually standing on the foundation of a house that he was building. And the concrete guys got the old floor plans. And so they laid the foundation of the house. And then a couple weeks later, the framers come and they're getting ready to build. And well, the garage is on the other side. This isn't how the layout of the house is supposed to be. And so they call John and they're just like, man, what's going on? What's going on? The concrete guys didn't get the updated version of the blueprints. So they literally poured the foundation of the house wrong. And they had to go through and bust up the entire foundation, remove it, and pour it like, oh, what a headache, right? And pour the concrete again in order to go with the blueprints. How come they couldn't just adapt and go and just throw up a house and make it happen? Because if the foundation was wrong, the whole house was wrong. That's pretty good. You can write that down. (laughs) If the foundation is wrong, the whole house is wrong. So parents, what's the foundation? Because I said so, that may get you to junior high. Maybe. 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 And they will rebel against that so hard you've never seen anything. What's the foundation? Where are the convictions in your life? Why do you live the way that you live? And I love what they draw out about Daniel. We've got to get at the law of his God because that man lives by the book. And so listen, the question is is not if you have convictions. Oh, you have convictions. You have convictions. The question is where do your convictions come from? Are you letting the world make them for you? Because they will. They will make them for your children. They will make them for your calendar. They will make them for your schedule. So it's not if you have convictions. Are are your convictions based upon worldly standards that come and go because 30 years ago we said this and then 15 years ago we said this, but, but nowadays, you know, I remember being in college and one of the greatest scams in the world is college textbooks, Right? $400 for a book, you know? And so the professor's getting a kick back to use this book. And I, I'll never forget going and turning back in the book. And they said, oh, we're not accepting that book this year because the professor's doing, using a different book. What am I supposed to do with this thing, man? Hold my bed up with this. This thing's so big. <laughs> right? Well, we've, we've got to some new understandings. And it, awesome, great. You're going to build your life on that because you're going to look like that. It's, your foundation's going to be busted up all the time, constantly. But the word of God never changes. It never changes. So I would just lay before you, how about you build your life, your marriage, your dating life, and your convictions on something that's been tested and tried and true with time. I would just gently lay that before you today. So the faithfulness of God not only produces character for us, but it gives us convictions. But the third thing that I see is this. God's faithfulness gives us connection through prayer. So we see that all of this has happened now. And now it's this unjust, sketchy bill that they pass. Does that sound 2018? You see what they do, right? 
It's like a bill passed at like two o'clock in the morning through the Senate, right? And they make this happen. And then look at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, got on Facebook, and did a poll and complaint. That one not in yours? That was not in yours. So he went to his house, got on the phone, and began to call and complain and picket signs. And so he got to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day. And he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. That's good. When everything hit the fan, Daniel hit his knees. You see, the faithfulness of God is what gives us our connection through prayer. And listen, prayer is that thing in the spiritual life that is just constantly crawling off the table. It's just we try at it, you know, and then for a couple days, and, you know, and then this. And it's the rhythm that constantly falls off the table. But I think if we understood the privilege and the connection that we have, that would produce something in us. Pastor John Piper says this. This is a picture of him. My third daughter, Piper, is named after him. I will make a preacher out of one of my children. (laughs) Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. Prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie. That's good. And so if we could just see some principles of prayer right here in this one verse and just break this down like Legos. What do we see about prayer? How should our prayer life look? And again, Daniel is not praying in order to be found faithful, but rather it is 80 years of the faithfulness of God that is producing prayer in Daniel. Do you see the difference there? So how do we do this? Well, the first thing is this, pray openly. They see him doing this. He opened his windows. He prayed out loud. Do you know that the New Testament almost knows nothing of private prayer? Nothing. Jesus even taught us to pray. Our Father. You see, that's a product of individualized Western culture, right? So let's all pray. We're listening to someone else pray. But what we see constantly in the New Testament is, and the church gathered, and they lifted their voices with one accord, and they prayed to their God. We pray openly in this. Listen, it's not about the quality of your words. It's about the quality of the God that you're praying to. Right? Pray openly. The second thing is this, pray humbly. And he got down on his knees. Daniel was T-bowing long before T-bow, baby. You know what I mean? Why? Because when you pray on your knees, you know your position. It's a humble thing. It's a do thing, man. 
It's not like a suggestion. It's a do thing. Get down on your knees and pray, and you will understand your position. before the, We sang the song that Pastor Tyler and them wrote, that he has made everything low in creation. And you show me a mama on her knees praying for her family, and I will show you hell being rattled. We pray openly. We pray humbly. The next thing is this. We pray consistently. I love this, right? Look at the very last thing. As he had done previously. Previously. This, is, was, this was a consistent thing that Daniel did in his life. It wasn't, oh, I got a bad report. Now I need to do this. Oh, this happened. Now I need to do this, right? It's what Pastor John Piper was saying. It's a wartime walkie-talkie. This is a connection that we have every day of our life, not just when things go bad. Like, I love that that's recorded in the Bible. It's like God did that just to let you know, oh, it's not just when things went bad, but Daniel was faithful in this practice consistently, consistently. And then what we see is this. We see that we pray thankfully, that he gave thanks before his God, thankfully. Thankfully, remember the context that we're in, right? God, I'm sorry, but I have to disobey a king because I have to obey the king. My life is in danger here. I know that I could be executed for this, but wait a second in my prayer. Let me just rattle off some thankfulness here. How profound is that? Because you see, when God is at the center of your prayer life and not you and not the quality of this and I got to read this and I got to toss up this shambhalai and I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do... But when God is at the center, there is much to be thankful for. Much to be thankful for. And Daniel is an 80-year-old man looking back and giving praise and thankfulness. So listen, the faithfulness of God will keep us praying faithfully. That is good news for you today. The faithfulness of God in your life will will produce a thankfulness that will produce prayer. There's a beautiful quote by a pastor by the name of Scott Sauls that says this, and I think this is very significant. In order to be Christ-like, stop focusing on being like him and start focusing on being with him. That's good. Christ-likeness is not looking at Christ going, do, 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 I need to do this, I need to be here, I gotta, I gotta mark off, I gotta be with him, be with his people. And then you will know that after being with him, you will be like him. For that's what was said of Peter and them in the New Testament. Ordinary, ignorant men, but they knew they had been with Christ. You see, the faithfulness of God produces a connection in us through prayer. But then the fourth thing is this. God's faithfulness gives us courage in trials. I mean, this is profound. We see that all of this happens. And then there's a conflict. Look in verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. So the king loved Daniel. Because here's something that's profound in us in 2018. Daniel lived in the empire, but he did not worship the empire. But when he lived in the empire, the empire prospered. So the king knew, I need this guy on my side. 
Can your boss say that of you at your workplace? Or are you the Christian and you are the one who complains the most? Because we don't see that in Daniel's life. Though he is in exile and though he is living in a strange land, where he is and where he's living prospers. And so this king is conflicted and then it happens. Verse 16, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den of lions. And the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. He wakes up, runs in. Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said, I mean, this is Clint Eastwood. This is Quentin Tarantino right here, man. This is awesome. A voice comes back from the darkness, not the roaring of the lions. He doesn't see bones. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. That's incredible. The courage that Daniel had in that moment. The courage that Daniel had to live in something like that. And then when they roll the stone back, we know actually from history and from Babylonian history that the king's quarters, you can actually see it on display in Chicago. There's an ancient tile writing and there's a, a, a lion that is walking. And we know from history that the king's quarters had all of these lions that were about it because you know lions were a symbol of power. So just a little history to back up the lion's den here. And then Daniel answers back, my God saved me. One of the cartoons that my kids like to watch still to this day is Tom and Jerry, right? It's just classic. It's actually still on. And now as a parent, I'm like, this is incredibly violent, right? (laughs) This is what this old cartoon is, man. It's like incredibly violent, right? But there's sometimes an episode where, you know, Tom is, is, is chasing Jerry and, and Jerry will antagonize him and then run away. And he'll antagonize him and run away. And you're like, bro, you keep messing, man. You're going to get caught. But when he runs away in an episode, he'll run by Spike. Remember the dog, Spike? And so this little mouse has all this courage to go and antagonize this cat, Right? And then run back, and he sits there with Spike, and then Spike chases the cat. I can't help this. Is, please, just, just, just humor me. This is the way my mind works. I believe that Daniel was able to have that type of courage, like a little mouse, because he knew who was standing behind him. Bring on the lions, bro. Bring on the lions, because I serve the God who created them. Toss me into this because 80 years of faithfulness, I have seen my God rescue my friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the fiery furnace, and they didn't even smell like smoke. I have seen my God establish kings and kingdoms through the ebb and through the flow of history and time. And what will be at the center of my mind is not my fear and not my anxiety and not my worry and not all the what ifs, but what will be at the center is the faithfulness of my God. 
You see, that's what gives us courage in 2018 to stand up for the Bible, to have convictions, to go into the doctor's office not knowing what the report's going to be, but knowing the faithfulness of God is there. You see, it's the greatness of God is what grants us our courage. The only way that you can look into the unknown and the only way that you can look into the future is to know the God that holds the future. That's the only way. And to look back upon your life and know the faithfulness that he has had. The faithfulness of God grants us our courage. So do you see this passage in a new light? It's the faithfulness of God that enables us to live faithfully for him. It's not Daniel in his own goodness. But as the band comes up and leads us in a time of response, we have to understand this. There is a passage here in verse 17 that I have been ready to get at. And if I could just preach for a minute, is that okay to do? Because look in verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. A stone laid across a tomb. And the king's sealed was on it. Oh my, oh my. Does this sound familiar to you? For Daniel was a part of a trial, and it was unjust. And Daniel was betrayed by some of his friends. Daniel was brought before the king, but Daniel did not say a word. And Daniel was given a death sentence and was thrown into a grave. And that grave had a stone that was rolled in front of it. And Daniel walked out of that grave. Do you see what Daniel is pointing to? And some of you may be saying, Jason, right now in my life, I don't know where the faithfulness of God is. And all I would have you look to is Jesus. Because Jesus is the greater Daniel in this passage. Because Jesus went before a trial. Jesus was the only one blameless before God. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was thrown into a grave. And Jesus had a stone that was rolled in front of it, but the stone could not hold him. And three days later, Jesus walked out of that grave. Where's the faithfulness of God in your life? I would have you look at an empty tomb to show you where the faithfulness of God is, is at your life. And Sidney Grania says this, Jesus is far greater than Daniel. Although Daniel claimed to be blameless before God, he was still a sinner. But Jesus, by contrast, was the sinless son of God. Daniel faced the possibility of death while Jesus actually died. Jesus, Daniel rose from a grave only to die at a later date. Jesus rose from the grave and lives forever. God prospered Daniel during the reign of Darius, but God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, Daniel's all about Jesus. And you're gonna get to come to the tables in just a moment. How faithful has God been to you in your life? going to see a body that was broken and blood that was shed for while we were still sinners Christ died for us you see it is the faithfulness of God 
that enables us to live faithfully for him. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and may your faithfulness produce something in us. May it change us. May it give us convictions. May it give us character. May it give us courage. May it give us connection through prayer. Because we know that when we meditate on you and your goodness and your faithfulness, it does something in us in our life. And God, I just feel prompted to pray. I don't know who is in this room. I don't know who is dealing with what, but they are in a pit and it is dark and lions are circling around and a stone is rolled in front and there is no way out at this time. But may they trace the faithfulness of you that have led them to this moment. And may they be encouraged. The God who has not forsaken them in the past will not forsake them now. The God that did not forsake them in the furnace will not forsake them in the pit. The God that did not forsake them while they were still sinners will not forsake them now. And now we are sons. And now we are daughters. And now we are heirs. The God that did not forsake them on their wedding day will not forsake them now in this pit. The God that did not forsake them on the day of salvation will not forsake them in this addiction. For you are faithful and your faithfulness does something to us. Have your way with us. And we pray this in the name, the name that has always prospered, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand where you're at and come forward and partake in communion today?